so many times I've wanted to just take that, the verses from that uh, song and just preach that as a sermon. <laughs> you really could, even though it's not scripture, it is scriptural, there's no doubt about that. And God's grace is amazing and will be 10,000 years from now. What do you think we'll be doing 10,000 years from now? Singing glory to God, yeah. So, uh, I heard a saying one time, uh, and I don't know if I've ever used it here or not, but someone said you need to make decisions based on your happiness 1,000 years from now. And it kind of really makes people stop and think, especially if they're not Christian and they have no really idea of eternity or the afterlife. It gets them started thinking about, uh, about eternity because we will somewhere exist 1,000 years from now. And, uh, and our hope is that everyone here will be in heaven with Jesus and will be glorifying him. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. A uh, relatively small section of scripture compared to what we've done in the past. But it's, a, it's an important one. We're going to be talking about how uh, we are to run the race with endurance run the race with endurance. And that's kind of what really the book of Hebrews has been about is persevering in the faith, amen? Persevering in the faith. And he teaches us to do that because our relationship with Jesus is better than anything that we could have had under the old covenant, under the old law. The old law was good, it is proper. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament uh, Ten Commandments. Um, it's just that they were never designed to save us. They were only designed to show us our need of being saved. And so we've talked uh, quite a bit. We're in chapter 12 now out of 13 chapters, and we talk quite a bit about how Jesus is better. And that's how the book of Hebrews started out. Jesus is better or greater or superior than the prophets of old and of Moses because he is the son of God. He's not only man who's come in the flesh, but he is the son of God. He offers a better lasting rest from our labors than Joshua could for the people of Israel. And by rest from our labors, I mean resting as far as trying to earn or work our way to salvation. We understand that we cannot do that. We cannot work our way to salvation, even though as unbelievers and even as believers, it, we always feel like we want to contribute to our salvation and we just cannot do that because of our sin. Now it is true also that once we are saved by grace, we were designed by God to do good works, but that's a different thing than saying you have to do them to be saved. We get to do them because we are saved. And so Jesus offers this lasting peace and rest from our labors. He is a better priest and a better sacrifice, and the new covenant is better than the old covenant. That's kind of where we went to all the way up to chapter 10 with a lot more details in between there. And then we started talking about faith. What is the definition of faith? If we're going to be saved by faith and faith alone by God's grace, then what is faith? And the Bible very clearly in chapter one, or verse 1 of chapter 11 puts it in, in this way. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. It is an assurance that we have internally that what we hope for is true, and it's a very strong conviction of things that cannot be seen. So it's not a blind faith. Some people say, well, Christians are guilty of a blind faith. There's no evidence for, their, uh, for what they say, and that's not true. There's plenty of evidence uh, for our faith. It's just that we cannot see it now like uh, many people were able to see the risen Christ. We've not had the privilege of seeing the risen Christ, but we know from personal testimony and evidence and the scripture that he actually did raise from the dead. And we know it because we have joined together with him as Christians and experienced the power of his resurrection. So we talked about the definition of faith and we learned that it's impossible to please God without faith. For who would ever draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. It's impossible to please God without a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Then we went on in chapter 11 and we saw not only the definition of faith, but we saw a demonstration of faith by all of these Old Testament characters who had faith in God, but never actually saw the promised Messiah come. And so we talked about Abraham, Moses, David, Rahab, people who trusted God without ever seeing in this life the promised Messiah. Although they did have the hope of eternal life, just like we do. People in the Old Testament saved just like people in the New Testament, slight difference, but it's faith in Christ. It's faith in the one who would come. We look back at the one who has come and place our faith and trust in what he does on the cross, those prior to the coming of Christ look forward to the time when he would come and be an advocate for his people. So that brings us up to our scripture today and I'm gonna ask you to stand real quickly as we read this. Just a phenomenal selection of scripture. I'm sure many of you have heard this many, many different times. It's verses that we come back to all the time when we need inspiration for running the race, which is the life that we are living for Christ. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through four. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you today, we're thankful for your word which has been preserved all these many thousands of years, bringing it down to this exact moment when we are reading these verses. You have providentially ensured that we have your word here today. And these are your words. These are that I have just read, not my words, but they are your words. And we want to learn from them. We want you as your Holy Spirit indwells us to teach us about these verses, what they mean. And we want 
this teaching to empower us to live the life that you have called us to live, a life of freedom, a life of peace, a life of joy and love, but also a life of sacrifice and obedience, all for our good, that we might enter into a relationship with you and experience what it is like to know God. And so we pray that these words would empower us, but also that they would mold us into the image of Christ, that we can be like him in this world and represent you fairly and correctly, that others may wonder at your grace and your greatness. Father, help us during this time to understand your words and to make a difference in our lives. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you're sitting down, think about getting ready for a race, right? <laughs> I, I began reading about this when it's talking about a race, and I got to thinking, you know, it's been a long time where I actually uh, was thinking about actually racing someone or I've done 5Ks, I've done walks and things like that, but probably the Spartan race, which we did several years ago, was the last time I ever thought about racing. But uh, he asked us to think about what it's like to be in a race today. And so I, th I thought it would be helpful to read this story about the New York Marathon, just to remind us of what a long distance race is like. And this is entitled, Making It to the Finish Line. It starts out, it says, the first half of the New York City Marathon is a party. You're swept along by 28,000 runners and the crowds lining the streets. You're touring the ethnic neighborhoods of Brooklyn and Queens. You feel like you could run forever. At mile 13, you cross over into Manhattan and start heading north, away from the finish line. The crowds are thinner now. The party's over. At about mile 16 or 18, you hit the wall. You're absolutely miserable. Physically and psychologically, you're busted. I remember passing one of the first aid stations where runners were lying on cots, pale and gaunt, with IVs dripping into their arms. I thought, those lucky dogs. At that point, I began to despair. I imagined myself having to go home and tell everybody I didn't finish. Why did I ever sign up for this race? What made me think I could do this? That's when it hit me. One way or another, I had to get to Central Park. I had no car, no money. I would have to get there on my own two feet. So I might as well keep running. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't think about the next six miles, just think about the next step. Gradually, the miles will pass. And when you cross the finish line, it feels like glory, even when you're in 10,044th place. Some of you may be hitting the wall right now, feeling like you can't go on, like you'll never make it. Following Christ is harder than you ever imagined it would be, and you're thinking about giving up, about doing something foolish. Don't do it. There's no magic to endurance racing. It's all about making it to the finish line. And the writer of Hebrews tells us to let us run with endurance with the race that is set before us. It's imperative that we finish the race. Amen? It's imperative that we finish this race. Well, what do we know about this race? Well, Paul talks a little bit about it in his book to the Corinthians. 
He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul knew that he was in a race. He knew that people were looking at him and watching him. He had told the Corinthians, in fact, he tells them just about uh, a verse or a chapter over from this in chapter 10. He says, uh, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so he's putting his life on the line. He is running this race and he is saying, see how I run this race because I'm going to run this race in the same way that Jesus Christ ran his race. This is the race that we are to run. This is a race that's an endurance race. It's a long distance race. It's a, also a race, listen to this, not only are we supposed to finish, we're supposed to win the race, right? That's what Paul says in his verse. He says, so run that you may obtain it, run that you may obtain the prize. We are not only supposed to endure, but we're to run this race as if we are anticipating to win the race. So how are we to run this race with endurance and win it and, and run it to win? First of all, and these are taken directly out of scripture. First of all, we are recognize, we recognize that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses and that encourages us. Look at verse number one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. In this chapter before, in chapter 11, he has talked about all of these Old Testament saints who have placed their faith and trust in God and he has been faithful to them to deliver them to the afterlife to where they will be a part of the body of Christ. We recognize that we're surrounded by these. They are now watching us and I would say, even though the scripture does it, that they are probably cheering for us to finish this race. They're egging us on. They're have definitely set an example for us that this can be done. This race can be done in the power of the Spirit, not in our own power, but in the power of Spirit. This race can be finished and we can run it as though we were going to win it. And we, we know this by the example. Their example gives us hope. And I think that's one reason why it comes before this chapter that we're reading here today. It gives us hope because they ran it, they were able to finish, we should be able to finish as well. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. I remember one, seeing one, I can't remember if this was in the Olympics or leading up to the Olympics, but, uh, and I'm not sure it was even a marathon race, but the gentleman who was actually maybe in second place, it was a very close race, dove across the finish line in order to win. He wanted to win that badly. He wanted to finish that badly that he was willing to dive across the finish line. And so we are uh, to run in such a way as to finish and 
to win. It is a long distance race though, so we pace ourselves as well, right? <laughs> How many times have you seen someone start off really strong in the Christian faith and they get involved in every activity that there is and before long they're almost wore out, they're quote burnt, burnt out and it takes the time for them to come back. So there is an element of pacing ourselves but there's also this idea that we are to win the race. So we don't work ourselves to exhaustion or burnout, but at the last moment, we must, I believe, be willing to dive across the finish line to win. Let's remember what is at stake here. This race is all about us being conformed to the image of Christ. We'll read more about that in next week when we talk about the discipline that the Lord gives to us but our goal, our purpose as Christians, now that we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, is to become like the Lord Jesus Christ. To be his representatives on this earth to the rest of the people who need desperately, they need desperately to know that Christianity works, right? Amen. They need to know that, that it works. That's why we persevere. It's not like we are working for our salvation but we are persevering so that others can say, this Jesus, this faith in Jesus is real. And I can place my faith and trust in him and be one to finish the race as well. So we do those things, but we also, according to scripture here, we are to lay aside every weight and sin that entangles us lay aside every weight and sin that entangles us. You ever seen runners in the Olympics? Do they usually wear like long coats and boots? No, they don't, do they? They might have a necklace on, but they basically wear the least amount of clothes that they can. I guarantee you that when they buy shoes, running shoes, they are the lightest shoes that they can buy because they want to finish the race. They want to have the strength to finish the race. They want to have the speed to win the race. And so we are to do the same things when we run our, our race. There can be weights upon us that slow us down in this race and eventually tire us out. And your weight may be different than my weight. I could name a few of those, but uh, some of them might be our house mortgages. It's almost impossible to buy a house without a mortgage, but I have done this before. I'm, I'm not in this position anymore, but I have been in a place where I had so much mortgage and credit card debt that I was not free to do God's will the way that I am now. Thank, thankfully, God got a hold of us and we got out of debt and now my extra money I can use toward ministry. I've been freed from that. And so things like mortgages, long-term contracts uh, can be weights upon us that slow us down. And then it says that there are sins that have a tendency to cling to us and we need to let them go as well. I'm, I was thinking about socks in a dryer for some reason, but you know how they cling to each other? Clothes cling to each other, your pants cling to your legs sometimes. There are sins in our life that 
sometimes we have just not dealt with yet. And we need to deal with those sins. Now, I'm not going to go into what those are because it would be different for every person. But don't let sin be clinging on to you and keeping you from running this race as fast as you can. We had just a wonderful lesson in Sunday school. It talked about our eternal security, but it also talked about our need to confess our sin early on and repent of that sin and turn toward Jesus Christ. So we do not run with weights attached to us. We do not run with sins attached to us. We lay aside all of those things so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. Just a couple more things here this morning, but not only should we lay aside every weight and sin that entangles us, but we remain focused on our goal, Jesus Christ. He is our goal. We look to Jesus when we need power and strength to run this race. He is, after all, the founder of our faith. We look to him and to no one else, right? We look to him and no one else. As I mentioned earlier, Paul said, be imitators of me, but he didn't exclude Jesus Christ. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Jesus Christ. We look to him. He's the founder of our faith. And he is our example. He is the perfecter of our faith and our example. And so we look and see, how did Jesus endure this race? Did Jesus endure the race well? Yes, he did, under extreme circumstances, right? Even to the point of shedding his blood, but he did that because of the joy and the reward of being obedient to God. Jesus Christ received a reward. He was able to sit down at the right hand of God and rule with him. That was part of his reward. His reward is at the right hand place of God. We will have rewards as well if we finish the race. If we finish the race, there will be rewards. Some people say that will be places of authority over this earth when Jesus come back and rules for a thousand years on this on this earth that he will sit as king over Jerusalem and Israel and that uh, disciples underneath him will have places of authority and responsibility. But we will have rewards in heaven. So we must remain focused on our goal, Jesus Christ, and a relationship with him. How much money would someone have to give you for you to give up your relationship with Christ? Any amount of money? No, no amount of money would tempt us to do that because he is the most precious, most valuable thing in this universe. When we are hard in the race and we're in those last eight miles of that marathon, we need to look at Jesus, right? We need to look at him the whole time, but especially during those times when things get rough. And for some of you, things have gotten rough and have been rough and will be rough. Then we need to remember to look to Jesus. Look in his word for answers of what you're going through. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will keep you on the path that keeps you safe and lead you into his promised land. 
Finally, I think this is my last one. We consider Jesus' way of life. Verse number three, it says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's, been, he's being extremely frank <laughs> with the people that he's writing to, and that isn't he, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews. He's letting them know, yes, you've, you've undergone some persecution, and the these people had been undergoing persecution. We'll learn more about that in chapter 13. They're going through persecution. Some of them have been thrown into prison. But he says, you're not finished running the race yes, yet. You haven't even begun to do what Jesus done, has done. He endured until the shedding of his blood. And even then, he did not give up. So Jesus... During the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, he prayed and he asked God to take this cup from me, the cup of his wrath, which was going to be poured out upon him. But he also said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he prayed and great drops of blood came from his forehead. Remember that? That was him, I believe, resisting the temptation to go against God's will. And he did so at the point of shedding the, his blood and of course on the cross as well. At, at the cross, you know, I can't remember who it was, but someone said if he's really the Messiah, why doesn't he call for angels, 10,000 angels to come and save him? And he didn't do that. He resisted that temptation and shed his blood. Have any of us endured to the point of shedding our blood for Christ? I'd say probably not. I'm not sure about that, but we have not done that yet. But the point is, is that through the Holy Spirit, we have that ability to resist temptation to the point of shedding our blood. Jesus did all this himself. He did it without growing weary or faint-hearted, and he did not shrink back in the faith. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews says continually that we are not to shrink back from the faith. So in finishing up today, how should we run the race? We run the race as Jesus did. This is God loving us, by the way. When we run this race, he is molding us as a loving father who is molding us into the image of Christ, into the person that we were destined to be. This is God's love for us. And so run the race as Jesus did. Look to his example. Consider him. Think about him. He should be the number one thought in, on our mind every day. Amen? Amen? And so when times get difficult, when the race gets difficult, look to Jesus and he will give assistance. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your words and so, so many times... The scripture is difficult for us to understand, but here I feel like it's easy for us to understand. We're, we're given this picture as though we were running a, a long marathon race, and at the end of the race, there's the goal line, and there is the prize. And you have commanded us that we are run to run our life, to live our life in such a way 
that we finish in the faith and that we win the prize. Father, our prize will be when we see you and hopefully you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's our great prize. Help us today to recommit our lives to serving you and to remember that we are running a race. Even though many of us are past the age of running a race, we are still in this race. Help us not to give up. Help us to persevere. Help us to bring honor and glory to your name through our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.